Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Leah Gervais, a coach for female entrepreneurs who are ready to live their dreams. Leah works with women from all walks of life, helping them turn their side hustle into six and seven figure businesses. She teaches her clients not to let fear paralyze them, and she gives them the tools to push past those fears and conquer their goals. An entrepreneur at heart, Leah started her side hustle when she was a paralegal. She realized she was onto something after the earning power as a digital marketer became evident. Leah shares her one big tip on this podcast so that you can learn how to overcome your fears, walk away from your nine to five, and have the courage to turn your career dreams into reality. I love talking about this because I love these digital marketer coming up stories, being able to not only empower yourself, your family, but to make things happen for others as well. Leah, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I was going through your website and you, you know, you have this about page and it is amazing. I love all the pictures of all the neat places that you've been. And, you know, I think it's what I felt was really poignant was how you were able to push your experience forward at every station of your life in order to craft, you know, like the lifestyle, you know, that works for you. And, you know, I can tell you from my experience, it is possible. It is something that you can do, you know, whether you, you know, wherever you are in life, whether you're, you know, whether you're young or just got divorced or you want to reinvent yourself, you know, like whatever it is, there is a space for you to not only create what it is that works for you, but to help others do the same. Tell us a little bit about your story and what makes you so amazing. Oh, thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and and to share a little bit about my background. I am in New York City, as you can see, and my story really began a little over six years ago at this point when I was, as you had shared, a paralegal here in the city. And up to that point, I really thought I had life figured out as most 22-year-olds do, I think. And I had moved to New York when I was 18 to go to school here. And I had planned on going to law school after attending school. So I had thought about that in my undergrad. I ended up getting a job as a paralegal. And then I ended up taking the LSATs and being accepted into law school. And so in so many ways, I felt like my dreams were coming true because I had moved to New York. I had gotten this job at a a great law firm and I had, you know, finally been accepted into law school. 
And I started realizing that I didn't actually want to do this. I did not want to continue on with the path of law. I did not want to continue on in the field. And I really didn't know what else I wanted to do. And it's it's funny because now I can look back and see pretty clearly that I did want to be an entrepreneur and I did want to do something on, on my own. But I don't even think that I had the courage to give myself the permission to do that at the time. And I also felt intimidated by it because I didn't know what I would do or how to begin or any of those just huge questions that can paralyze so many people, you know, from doing what they really want to do and and doing something on their own. And, And I was one of those people. So I eventually declined my law school acceptances and decided to just start a blog to write about my experience being a millennial in New York City, trying to find her way. I felt like I had a pretty clear audience of who I wanted to connect with, which was a relatively common phenomenon for millennials of people who wanted or did or thought they should go to graduate school, but ended up really realizing that they were sort of doing that out of default or out of a place of I should do this or out of societal conditioning rather than checking in and seeing if it was actually what they wanted to do. And that was definitely my story. Now, I was able to bypass law school. I didn't, I declined before I even started, but I knew there were other people that were either considering it and, and not knowing if they should, or they were in it and they wanted to leave, or they had even gone through it and it wasn't what they thought they would be doing. So that was really what I wanted to sort of explore. And I had imposter syndrome about even starting a blog about it because I still felt so in the thick of it. I didn't feel like I had solved it. And I didn't really feel like I had any authority to share any wisdom on it, but I just wanted to document it and I wanted to connect with other people around it. So I started a blog, was still sort of in search for what I was going to do, my true calling, what my career would be, et cetera. And I continued to try a few different things even after having started that blog. I worked at a nonprofit for a little while. I looked at going to graduate school for a different niche. Um, even my blog took on a few different kind of you know forms. But long story short, that blog turned into a business, which is now my seven-figure business and obviously my full-time job. <laughs> what an amazing story. You know, one of the things that you touched on was, uh, you know, feeling the imposter syndrome early on, right? It's like, who am I to put this knowledge out there for others to see, right? And, you know, I can tell you from my side as well, that can be paralyzing, even with someone who does have a pretty full resume, right? right? I, I think that at every juncture in my career, I was always like, geez, can I really be doing this? I mean, just, you know, like in terms of this podcast, I tell the story every once in a while. You know, I was a kid that started in high school. What business do I have putting a microphone in front of my face? Right? And it's like, you know, what happens is that it just happens, right? You, you know, you put it out there, you do it. And, and someone is going to listen to it. Someone is going to watch it. Someone is going to react to it. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, like they're missing that, that initial push, right. You know, to go forward, it's like, you know, should I really put this out there? What authority do I have to make this happen? What would you say is the, is the biggest, um, is the biggest push that you gave yourself in order to, you know, the quiet, that voice in your head saying that I don't have the authority to do this and to just go ahead and do it anyways. What was that like? I think that the art here is to stop 
trying to quiet that voice and to just more accept that voice. And I think a lot of times people are looking for ways to overcome it or silence it or prove it wrong or combat it. And like you said, it's not really ever something that totally goes away. There's a reason we experience imposter syndrome. It's a sense of fear. It comes from survival mechanisms. It's honestly part of human nature for, for the most part. Some people have a bigger threshold of it than others, but it's not really something that I think is productive to try to annihilate. I think that you're going to see faster results if you can accept it and allow it to come with you wherever you're moving. To this day, I still experience imposter syndrome all the time. I'm just much more intimately familiar with it. So it doesn't really stop me as much as it used to. Talk to me a little bit then about how you help, you know, entrepreneurs that are just starting out, people that are creating side hustles, you know, to take that step forward, right? It would seem that, you know, there are a million of us out there you know, like, oh yeah, you just need to follow, you know, do use this daily planner or you need to, you know, create your dream 100, create your value stack. You know, there are all these different modalities that, you know, that go into what it takes in order to make your, in order to make your business function. How do you help people that when they first come to you, figure out like, okay, you know, like this is my zone of genius and this is something I want to stay away from? Well, uh, it's, I feel like I have so many answers to that. I don't think that my job is, and I don't think, well, okay, let me say this. I don't think that you need to know your zone of genius before you move forward. I think that what I help people do, and I think the big secret sauce everyone's looking for, this is the huge phenomenon in entrepreneurship that paralyzes people, but also drives people. Everyone is looking for the key to success. It's really how life works. And I'm sure that you experience this with your podcast listeners and guests all the time. Everyone is listening to a podcast, reading a book, uh, interviewing someone, taking a course, taking a coaching program, you know, trying to either invest or absorb information everywhere because they're looking for solutions, answers, strategies, et cetera. And when you strip away what the, they're really looking for, for the most part, they're looking for answers. They're looking for the best way to do X, Y, and Z or the strategy to get you to X, Y, and Z. And what this does is, and marketing doesn't really help this, is it creates this phenomenon of people thinking that there is a secret strategy out there, a single strategy, a best strategy, a secret of some sort, that if they knew things would be easier or things would be clear or things would be sure to happen. And as someone who has built a seven-figure business, as someone who has helped my clients go from zero to seven figures, zero to six figures, zero to multiple six figures, the, the secret is, is action. That's the only commonality and it's the only secret. And I think that it's sometimes easier for us, whether we consciously have the awareness around this or not, to put this secret on a pedestal because it's easier to assume that there must be an easier way to do it than what we're going through because what we're going through is hard. And that's just not the case. The real difference between those who are successful or who do see quick results are that they are taking quick not necessarily quick, but they're taking massive action toward those things. And other people are either not taking action, they're afraid to take action, they're taking slow action, they're taking misguided action, or they're not taking action at all. You know, what's interesting about, uh, you know, choosing your heroes, so to speak, is that it's very easy to, you know, like look at my podcast and the over 300 interviews that I've done, or to look at yours, you know, you've, you've already published, I think like a hundred and 100 plus, if not 200 at this point. 
and just automatically think like, uh, you, uh, you know, just by using those numbers, who is more successful, right? Or who would be a better coach for me, right? Yeah. And it's not just one metric that you should be looking at. It should be, you know, more like 15 to 20, you know, metrics to find out, you know, can I really uh, gel with this person? Can I really make it, uh, you know, are they speaking my language? Are they have they gone through five years ago what I am going through right now, right? And, you know, just sort of understanding what it is that, you know, that they need to do. Or, and like you said, to find that, you know, that secret or set of secrets in order to, in order to make it happen. When someone starts with your program, how does it uh, start out? Like, I, I know there needs to be a little bit of mindset and soul searching, you know, in order to figure things out. But what happens after that? Like, how do you help people, you know, figure out, well, you know, something you could start out with taking, with taking these small actions and seeing how it goes or taking these actions. And even if you do not see results, keep on doing it because that's really what you need to be doing. How does that look in your world? I mean, it depends on the program. It depends on the the results people are going for. We offer things from for people that are just starting out and trying to just make their first few sales. And then we offer things for people that have already hit six figures and, you know, are, are looking to go to seven. So it's very different, the action that you should take depending on where you're at. But I know that you're very action oriented. And as much as I want to say that the first thing you do is mindset work around it, which is true, um, to give just a really concrete answer that I think, you know, people can run with. If you're trying to make more money or increase more sales or make your first sales or make more sales, I think a really important place to put your action and energy is toward visibility, is toward reach, is toward audience growth. I think it's very easy to create things behind the scenes, to have ideas for something you could offer someone uh, for having a product that you might want to sell, but not actually having the reach or the visibility to sell it. And this is a really dangerous cycle to get stuck in because if you don't have your audience seeing what you're doing and you're not making sales from it, you're going to start taking it personally. You're going to think something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your product. Something's wrong with your offering. You don't have what it takes. You're going to start taking it personally, start thinking that you did something wrong, that you're doomed for failure. And then this is going to prevent you from getting even more visible because you have now had a confidence hit and then that cycle will continue to perpetuate. So I think that it, when you're kind of looking for initial action to get to a, a new income level or to get to new sales, just really getting down and dirty about what type of action you should be taking, a really good place to look is how can I get this? How can I get more eyes on what I'm offering? When you work with someone, I was wondering if you can, uh, I was wondering if you can illustrate for us a success story of how someone came into your world who maybe was not doing as well as they should have, but you know, you were able to see the potential and you were able to coach them into that next level, you know, going from six to seven figures and, you know, really making it happen for them. How did that engagement look and what kind of success have you seen with, uh, you know, with that kind of program? Sure. I have a fun story top of mind because I was just chatting with her this morning about um, the success she's celebrating. So one of my clients, her name is Liv, and she started in our entry-level program, Scale Your Side Hustle, 
three years ago. So this program is where people come in and they, they either have an idea or they have no idea or they've started a side hustle, but they're not really making money. It's typically for people that are doing things still around their nine to five. So she came in and she had created a dating blog and she had considered writing a book about dating. And she is, she comes, she has a Christian background and a Christian audience. And she really wanted to speak to Christian women who were potentially getting married later than they had originally thought and kind of trying to find their identity around that. Um, still being, you know, women of faith, but also stepping into their own identities. So that was her side hustle. And when she came to me, she was making no money from this blog. She was hoping she would maybe be able to charge 15 or 20 bucks, you know, for the, the book that she wanted to write. And that was really all she had done. She also was in debt at the time and she was making a very, very entry-level salary at, a, at, at that time. So money was you know, not something that was an easy situation, but she decided to still invest in herself and did scale your side hustle. And it took her about a year to start actually making a livable salary from it where she could leave her nine to five. And I, I think that's an important part of her story to tell because she's had such extraordinary success after that. It can look like it was overnight, but she put in work for a good year of pivoting her offerings so that she was selling things that were offered for that were higher in value than a book. For example, we started her doing services for her. We started looking at how she could offer things at a higher ticket offer at a higher ticket price point earlier on so that she could, you know, get some momentum going. Um, she did that in about a year and started monetizing that, uh, was able to leave her nine to five. And then about 18 months total into business, she started having five figure months. And then two years in, she hit six figures. So she was able to start raising her prices, scaling things by working with more than one person at a time. She did this through retreats and workshops and courses, all of this around dating. And so she still to this day focuses on helping singles, you know, with dating. And I, and I hesitate to say that because it's not just about like, how to date. She does a lot of introspective work with people so that they feel very aligned with who they are as they date and as they consider marriage. And here we are today in just in August of 2022, three years after she started my initial Scale Your Side Hustle program, and she just had a $230,000 month. Wow. What an amazing story. You know, what comes to mind is um, everyone starts with zero followers. Right. Love I know that. I did. You know, Gary V did, you know, you're yep. welcome to go back into Gary V's channel and watch him try to sell wine, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And it really is inspirational. And, you know, you can go back to my first episodes. Please don't, please do not do that. They're bad. Right. But what happens is, you know, like, you know, they're still out there and a lot of us really, you know, like keep that unpolished or untrained work up, not only as inspiration, but also so that you can see you know, like the progression of where people are. And I think what happens is that, you know, once someone gets the idea, you know something, I want to start my side hustle and I want to make it happen. And then they start looking for their heroes. They start looking for their coaches, looking for people to emulate and model. And when they look at it, it's like, well, Gary Vee is making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars each year. Uh, yeah. But you know, he's also like a completely different character. He's not you. Right. right. He's not you. And you know, your zone of genius, I think should be focused on, you, you know, that's really the best place to start. And what happens is, you know, I think sometimes we forget to tell ourselves, you know, in even in an, you know, in an intimate and caring way that you've made it this far, wherever this far is, right. It's like, you know, every time I get on the phone, it's a, it's practically a sales call, right. Every time I get mm -hmm. on a podcast, it's uh, you know, I am putting part of myself out there. You're putting part of yourself out here as well, you know, being, 
you know, being my guest here. And what happens is it's the work and the time that we are putting into this that, you know, for each and every interview that we do, we get better for each and every client that we serve, we get better for each and every, you know, like entity that we touch, you know, there's, you know, there's some practice, maybe we, you know, mess up now and then, but there is some improvement that happens, you know, and if you have enough emotional intelligence to do that introspection, you know, that's really the best opportunity to grow. My last question for you though, is what happens afterwards? Like what happens after your students achieve the success? Is there, is there, is there another step in their, uh, you know, in the journey that you, that you help them out with? Do you help them more with community, connecting them with like-minded entrepreneurs? Uh, how does that look in your world? A lot of my clients, it, 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 it depends on what, what their, you know, what their goals are and what they're trying to do. But I do believe in longevity of coaching with people that align with you. So that client, for instance, her and I have worked together for all three years. I don't imagine that we'll stop working together anytime soon. I think that the value of coaching, I think a lot of people think the value of coaching comes with a coach that will give you that secret that we talked about, like that thing that you think you're missing. And I really think that the value of coaching is having someone hold you accountable and guide you on your journey and to your success and in your success. And, you know, you can't do that if you have a different coach every four months or every year, even honestly. So a lot of my clients do end up just staying with me in different containers and capacities for, you know, as they continue on and as they sustain their business success and as they kind of go on to different phases of their lives. But I think that just kind of more broadly speaking, not so much like how do people work with me continually, but more so like what happens after you have found business success. And for us, that looks usually like once you've gotten out of your nine to five, I think for many people, multiple six figure of revenue is where they feel like they really hit their stride and a lot of their dreams have come true and they're able to hire team members and feel supported. What do you kind of do when you're over the hustle hump, I guess you could say. And to me, the answer is just how you then are able to live your everyday life. And I think that entrepreneurship has a lot of glamorized associations around what's possible when you achieve some sort of success, whether that's traveling frequently or living in a really nice house or, um, you know, buying nice things or getting a nice car, whatever. I'm not a big car person. I live in New York, obviously, but having those kind of like toys and metrics of success. And I really think that the, the much deeper and enjoyable piece of it is just how you live your day-to-day life. And I think that there does need to come a time where you don't hustle as hard as you did in the beginning and you do get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And it's really about honoring the life that you want to have, not just how hard you want to work or how much you can cram into a day. And I think that that's kind of where my clients, after they've gotten to that level of sustainable success, where we kind of try to focus. I love it. I love it. Leah, thank you so much for sharing that. Where can people find you online and how can they reach out to you directly? You can find me at leahgervais.com and you can always email me at leah at leahgervais.com. It's me. I'll email you back. (laughs) I love it. Leah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. 
the audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.